Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. That scripture goes on. And it really says... You want to be that until the day of Christ. In other words, there's a day that we're going to be judged for who we really are. By the way, you're here today and there's some things and you're not really real in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area. Other areas, you're doing fine, but you're not really real. And you think you've got everybody fooled. You might, but God, nobody fools God. And that's why you're miserable because of guilt. God gives you guilt in your conscience to bring you to forgiveness. Everyone has areas in their lives where they're faking it, where they're pretending to be someone they're not. It may be a big thing or a small thing, but because we're fallen beings, we have areas of falsity in our lives. Hopefully, you're aware of it and are allowing God to make you more of a person of integrity. Pastor Mark, using the writings of the Apostle Paul, reminds us of the inconsistencies in our lives and our need to let God cleanse us of them. Another thing to remember is that God, because he loves us, won't let us get away with these forever. There is a judgment coming. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Pray This Prayer for Me. ever been to Masada? Oh yeah. I said I go all the time. In fact, I've been seven times getting ready to go for the eighth time. And he says, eight times? You're Gentile. Eight times? What are you doing in Israel? I says, well, I says, we just go to all kind of places, 20, 30 places, and I open the Bible, and I teach because, you know, it's God's country. The Bible came from Israel. And I said, you know, I go often to the Old Testament. (laughs) That meant nothing to him. You have to understand, by far, probably more than 90% of Jewish people are godless. They have no understanding of even the Old Testament. So that offered an opening for me. And then, as I was sitting there, we just talked about different things. And I noticed they took their MP3 players and put them in their ears. Okay. So I got my iPhone, put them in my ear. As I'm sitting there, God says to me, put the idea in my head. I flipped on down to my iPhone, down to the the podcast, and brought up a guy that I listen to quite often. He's a Jewish pastor who has an amazing church, 15,000 people up in the Washington, D.C. area. He really goes for it. And so I got the sermon. I picked Easter sermon. And I said, 
and handed him my iPhone. I said, listen to this teaching. He's a Jewish man like you, but he's a believer in Jesus. So I said, okay, put it down, put it in his ear. I'm sitting over there, praise God. (laughs) In a moment or so, I hear this. Hands it back to me. Maybe a minute and a half he had it. See, he heard the word Jesus. That was it. So as I'm sitting there, I'm a failure, right? Am I? Would you feel like one? Yes. Did it take any boldness for me to hand him that teaching? Yes. Yeah, but you're a pastor. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's out of my comfort zone. Much easier to put my earplugs right in and just do nothing, right? Well, as we went along in the flight, two hours went by. And all of a sudden, we started talking about different things. The plane had been late, well, you know, going into Atlanta, Lord help you. Are you going to be able to get to your places on time? And they were, maybe they'd missed the flight. It was the only flight going to their city. And we talked about all those things. Then he said to me this. He said, you know, there's a church in my town. It's a huge Christian church. I'm going, where is this coming from? And he says, I drive by all the time, and it's absolute cars are everywhere. I wonder, what are those people going in there to do? And he says, I forgot the name of the church. And then he begins going on, and he says, one day, recently, I was at a restaurant with my wife, and the pastor of this large Christian church came in with his wife, and we were introduced to them. And he looked like an okay guy. He was really sharp and whatever. And the pastor turns to me and he says, you need to stop by. Forget the traffic. Just turn right. Come on in one Sunday and check us out. And he said, before the wife left, she asked me to do the very same thing. But he said, I forgot the name of the church and the guy. And I gave him the name of the church and the pastor. I know him. I know the church. He went. <laughs> now, of all the pastors in the United States and churches, is that a God thing or what? See, I, I was connected with him. And he said, you know, I've meant to go there, but I just forgot. And then I said this statement to him and the man next to me. Nothing happens in our life by accident. And I was put on this flight next to you to remind you, when you go back to your hometown, check it out. You will discover the meaning of life. And then I said, you know what? We're all going to die one day. And we're going to be faced with different eternities. And at the end of that conversation, I gave him my card and whatever and told me to get online watch some stuff. And he just simply said to me, it was a joy traveling with you. Now, let me ask you a question. The Bible says someone plants a seed, other people water, but God gives the increase. Did I plant the seed that day? No, I did not. Who planted the seed? The pastor from his hometown. What did I do? I just watered it. He said, well, Pastor Mark, I'm waiting for the story like he kneeled down right on the plane and got saved. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. I've had that happen to me. But normally, it's what? It's a process. See, if you said to turn to Exodus, he would think of the movie. He has no clue. 
Paul says if we're going to use our time wisely, it has to be some of our time with unbelievers. Let me ask you a question. Have you used your time wisely in the last week? You see, it's not about the airplane. It's not about a pastor. It's about the soccer field. It's about the golf course. It's about the supermarket. It's about the desk next to you at work. It's about the student in that biology class that you see all the time. You see, God has you there for the very same reason. His heart is for the lost. Both of these men, clueless. When would they ever step into a church? Not going to happen. God says, I'll put you out where they're at. You see, it's the heart of God. And I just want to say this to you this morning quickly. The reason our church has grown over these last 18 years is because you have been faithful to invite unbelievers to the campuses. Here, Vieira, Sebastian, look for unbelievers. Invite them to the church service. And I'll make this promise to you. You know it always is true doesn't matter who's teaching here, who's preaching. Every weekend service, we give people a chance to come to Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel. People need to be saved. There's other churches obviously do it, and then there's other churches never do it. You can be guaranteed from the bottom of my heart, when you bring people here, whatever pastor is teaching here, they're going to hear it somewhere in the sermon the gospel. And that brings to mind two principles we taught. I want you to see him quickly, then we're going to move on. I have to use my time to be on mission. Well, what is our mission? Luke 19, 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. On that four-hour trip, God had me there to seek and save that which is lost. So if I'm going to use my time wisely, I have to be on mission. Well, I have to be on message. I just can't talk about a church. I have to talk about Jesus Christ. And what that means. You'll hear more of that next week with the other gentleman. But what is our message? Here it is. Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the very power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes to the Jew first. And then to the Gentile. See, God loves the whole world. Jew and Gentile covers it. It covers all of them. So that has to be where you and I are. We have to be using our time wisely. Now, it doesn't always work that way. I'm going out to California. I was in the same role. Two other guys came on. When I got on the plane and sat next to them for that four and a half hour flight, they already had the earbuds in, never removed them, never said one word to me, weren't interested. What are you going to do about that? Pull them out? No, the door wasn't open. It's okay. It's okay. Relax. God gives the increase. We're just responsible for our time. Now, go back, if you will, to Philippians chapter 1. You're right nearby. Do not mistake that the fields are ripe to harvest. These guys, even though they didn't want to hear, they wanted to hear. The fields are ripe. Paul says this, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure, pure. Different word. Sounds strange to us. In Paul's day, the people understood what that word means. It means sincere. That's where we get our word from. Sincera. Here's what happened. In Paul's days, a dishonest pottery maker, sometimes making his pottery, let's say of marble, 
he cut too deep. And to hide that mistake, he would put wax in it. Well, you would never guess it because it looks perfect. Until you took it home. And of course, those days you don't have air conditioning, you have sunshine. And what does sunshine do to wax? And so a reputable sculptor, a dealer, would mark their pottery with the words on it, Sin Sarah, without wax. In other words, to guarantee you that it was real. That's where we get our word for sincere. What's Paul saying? Jesus says the same thing. Matthew 5, 8, notice what it said. Blessed are the pure in heart. Here's what I want you to write. It's not complicated, but it's very powerful. Here's a prayer you want to pray for me, and you want to pray for every Christ follower. Pray that Mark would grow in purity and integrity. In other words, that I would be, bottom line, real. Simply real. Now, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, he doesn't say, blessed are the sinless. There are no sinless people. But he means, blessed are those that are real and sincere. God looks at our heart. It's where our decisions are made. And so Paul simply prays this. He wanted the Christ followers to be free of hypocrisy. To be people of integrity. To live lives public and private. Transparent. No cutting corners. No dishonesty. No character flaws. Not perfect. But no playing games. Someone has said the word integrity means doing the right thing, even when no one is watching. Let me ask ourselves a question today. Can I be trusted when no one is looking? You can finish the statement. What you see is what you get. I'm sorry to say to you, That many times in our counseling sessions, we discover someone who's in the church looks like this. But in the home, there's somebody very different. I'm not talking sinless. I'm talking fake. Hypocrite. That's a disaster. And I want to say this kindly. If you're a mom and dad, and you're one thing here, And something very different at home, here's what's going to happen. Be very careful. You will destroy your kids' chances of coming to the Lord. Why? They're going to think all of us are that way. Don't you dare do it. Paul says, I pray. Now, why would he say that to people that are Christ followers? Because we're all like that. We all kind of have to be careful. Now, one day, David made a great statement. Psalm 78, 72 says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he laid them. You know what's happened in the ministry in the last few years? It's always happened, but it's way more now. If a pastor or priest or somebody that's in the ministry, evangelistic, whatever, TV thing, if they have lots of charisma, people go for it. 
And in our churches, in our world, we put charisma and talent way above character. But I want to tell you today, God never does that. He puts character, godliness, integrity way above a man's talent. You see what that says? David shepherded them with an integrity of heart. Pray for me. That's what I want to do. Every pastor that's on staff, every elder here, that's our heart. We're not perfect, but we want to shepherd you with integrity. We want to be a role model, not sinless, but getting better at discerning what's best and leading this church in that. That comes from prayer from you. We can't be that without God's help. We're just exactly like you. And that's a prayer you want for yourself. And you want for your kids to be those kind of people that absolutely are honest in their character. But that's not enough. Paul goes on, look at the rest of verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure. And then he says, blameless. That's like a weird word. It all relates, that word, to interacting with other people. It's not our private time. It's how we interact with other people. And the original language means this. Paul says, I don't want your life to cause other people to stumble. Well, why would Christians' lives cause other people to stumble? Because they're not real. Once in a while, I'll get a call from somebody, and they'll say this. You don't know me, I don't go to the church. But one of your people that go to this church, let me tell you about them. They have other people clock out for them. When a job comes in, they always try to hide and not take their responsibility. And they just go on and do all these kind of things. And I say, I'm very sorry. That's not what God will want them to do. Let me say this to you this morning. If you're a full-on Christ follower, you will be the best employee in the place where you work. Now, you won't be a perfect employee. But if you're griping, complaining, when the word comes out and they want to dibby it, you hope to only get 5% and give the other pay. What is wrong? There's something wrong with this picture. See, that's stumbling people because they look at us and go, well, that guy goes to that church. I wouldn't want anything to do with it. Paul says, no, no, no. You can't do that. He says, don't stumble people. Someone has said this. There's two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one, they don't become Christians because they don't know a Christian. They don't know what it means to be a Christian. The other reason people don't become Christians is because they do know a Christian. If I'm not going to stumble people, if I'm going to be real, what does that all go to? My conscience is connected to my heart. My conscience is connected to my heart. I need to have a clear conscience. How does that work? Take a look at 2 Corinthians. Paul says this, we can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with God-given holiness And sincerity, there's that word again, look what he says, in all our dealings. Not some, in all our dealings. If you go to a hotel or a motel today, unlike many years ago, for some reason, hotels are into pillows. Even the midline ones. We were at the Fairfield in Temecula. And I walked into the Temecula Fairfield, and on my bed, four pillows. My wife isn't there. Four pillows. And I looked over and Carl, Pastor Carl, my accountability partner, he was in the other bed. Four pillows. How many pillows do you need? 
I want to say this to you. You can have four pillows. You can have eight pillows. But unless you have a clear conscience, you will not get a good night's sleep. And people throughout our world today, in the church, taking sleeping pills, just like the world. Why? Because they're afraid of one thing. Somebody is going to discover who they really are. And they're loaded with guilt because they're not real. And they're waiting for the day that the truth comes out. In the last few years, we've seen that with lots of people. A golfer comes to mind. But it's not just a golfer. You see, if you're a Christ follower today and you're not real, then you're not sleeping well. You say, well, I'm following my conscience. Careful. Our conscience is like a compass. If the compass is good, it'll lead to where you need to go. But if it's off one degree, you're in trouble the farther you go. See, our conscience gets its signal from our heart. If my heart is pure, if my heart is sincere, if my heart is right on, then my conscience gives me the right kind of signals. But my conscience can be dulled, it can be hardened, and it can be calloused. So that no longer does it say, warning, warning, warning. That's because I've said no to the conscience. I want you to write this statement down. A clear conscience makes a soft pillow. That's one thing I want you to have in your mind. That scripture goes on. And it really says you want to be that until the day of Christ. In other words, there's a day that we're going to be judged for who we really are. By the way, you're here today and there's some things and you're not really real in this area, in this area, in this area, in this area. Other areas you're doing fine, but you're not really real. And you think you've got everybody fooled. You might, but God. Nobody fools God. And that's why you're miserable, because of guilt. God gives you guilt in your conscience to bring you to forgiveness. The last thing I want you to write is this. I want a clear conscience. And I want a lifestyle that's authentic and godly. Just write the words, be without wax. Be without wax. Don't try to cover up. And play games. Just simply be without wax. And the only way to do life is in an authentic, godly lifestyle. Not sinless. None of us are. But we're real. Today, clear conscience without wax. That's the best way to live. And to be honest, it's the only way to live for you and to impact our world. A clear conscience without wax. Today, Pastor Mark spoke a lot about being fake and hypocritical. Even though we know we shouldn't be false, we do it anyway. Fortunately for us, God already knows this. He offers grace, forgiveness, and most importantly, the Holy Spirit who's able to change us from the inside out 
and remake us into the people that not only God wants us to be, but who we really want to be as well. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this concludes the message, Pray This Prayer for Me. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin part three of this teaching. We will dive further into the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church at Philippi and learn how the things Paul prayed for are pertinent to us 2,000 years later. We will learn more about our relationship with Jesus and our need to draw life and strength of character from Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, We want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.